What are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the word on the street is it's everybody's favourite time of the week. It is the Pop Culture Podcast. I am Pop. It is, I don't know, I was trying to play a fun little riff on the uh, on the word Pop as my, my surname then, but but I didn't I didn't come up with one quick enough. And if you're in the business of comedy, you've got to be quick on your feet, so that's something we're going to have to work on. How you're going? It's Thursday. I, uh, I hope your week's been really well. What have I been doing? I, um, I bloody, I've got to tighten up this chair. Just when I sat down before, it made a little squeak, and I thought, oh, this is embarrassing because everyone's going to think I'm starting with a little, uh, a little bit of a fluff to get started on the old pop culture podcast. But like I've always said, that's not how we start. That's never how we're going to start, not on purpose anyway. And so if you do hear a little squeak, I would just like to, uh, I'd like to start this podcast with a recognition that it's, it was the chair. More than likely, I've got a high fiber diet, so if it was me, I'll apologize and uh, and just let everybody know. I've got to get better with the um, with the handyman stuff. I've got to get better with the tools and things because never had a reputation. Actually, no no man in my family's ever had a reputation for for being effective at all with a tool. Uh, I don't think my my granddad was pretty good before he passed <laughs> before he passed away. The poor bugger. I mean, it happens to all of us, but. He was good. I'd go into his workshop and he would have a shadow board and most of the tools were there. And then I'd go to my brother-in-law's place, who's who's still alive, bless his heart. Um, and most of his tools are up on the shadow board. And uh, you know what? I was looking for an Allen key last night to, to tighten this chair. And as I was looking for it, I thought, Tice, why are you looking for it? Because you don't own tools. And I thought, well, that's, that's going to be a problem. I was trying to do it with a knife. I was trying to do it with the back of a fork. Something. If it's a screwdriver hole, you can. Uh, I'm not even sure it's called a hole, is it? See, this is the uh, this is the knowledge that I'm bringing to the table on handyman stuff. I've just never really had an interest in it. It's one of those things that I don't know. It just never really caught my attention. Never really captured my fancy. It's just not something that gets me up and about. I'm interested in in interesting things. The weird thing is, I like watching YouTube videos about handyman about handymen like seeing guys who just go out into the forest and they'll just build a cabin in three years by themselves because they wanted to get away from society just like that guy from into the wild without the poison plant at the end of it i love watching stuff like that like i'm attracted to what what people can make with hands with their hands and with their tools but i've just never quite got the bug for it maybe as i get older who knows i'm 35 now you would think by 35 you'd have a pretty good idea of what you're going to be into but i mean that could just be a narrow mindset. I know plenty of people who have started surfing at 40 and now they're 60. You can say, hey, they've got 20 years under their belt. So who knows? Maybe by the time I'm 60, I will have built a cabin. Maybe pop culture 2042 is coming at you from a cabin in the woods of Sri Lanka, maybe. Could be from anywhere. Could be right here in, in Point Lonsdale. The way housing prices are, I, I, think, I think Sri Lanka is probably going to be more of an appeal. Problem with a place like this is I, would, I think I would live in a place like this in a tent. Like I love, I love this town. I wouldn't live in a tent because it's that's attractive for a couple of nights. I say that just to emphasize how much I like the area that I'm living in. But the truth is if someone said, hey, Tice, we've got a tent for you to live in. Do you want to do it? I reckon a week I'd be like, you know what? Just get me. I'll, take, I'll go to Sri Lanka today. I, I couldn't care less. Just get me out of this place. It's not as nice as I thought. I think there's there's certain things that, make someone not interested in being a handyman though because I've, I've delved into the world of it a little bit here and there sometimes by force actually both times 
both times by force, both times were necessary. The first time I got off the phone to a Telstra lady, and it was just it was one of those it was one of those phone calls that just went for too long and achieved nothing. I still had to pay my bill at the end of it. I think was the outcome. And I remember going into our bedroom and just in like a mild frustration. I wasn't even super angry. I just I punched my cupboard door, and I I thought I was just uh, expressing a little bit of frustration at the door, just just getting it out of my system. What I didn't realise is it was a really flimsy board, and my hand went straight straight through it. I mean, it was a solid punch. It wasn't it wasn't like I was. Um, I feel like I've let myself off the hook there a little bit. It was it was as hard as I could punch it, but I just didn't expect my hand to go through. The hardest part of that was Jessie heard the bang. She ran into the room and was like, oh, my gosh, what was that? I said, oh, I punched a hole in the door. <laughs> Surprised. She's like, baby, this is a rental. We're not getting our bond back, are we? And I said, all right, watch this space. So I went down to Bunnings, the Home Depot of Australia. My neighbor, actually, just before I go into that story, my neighbor uh, the other day told me he had COVID and he was down at Bunnings. He goes, I got a, I got a sausage from Bunnings and I couldn't even taste it. My, my neighbor's overweight. I so badly just wanted to say, mate, if you can't taste anything, maybe now's a good time to get into green juices. Do you know what I mean? Like the nutrition is higher than that sausage. That that shouldn't be. If you've got COVID, like why are you eating a sausage? That's just, that's my question. But anyway, I was down at Bunnings and I, I, I found, I YouTube was my best mate. YouTube is my best mate. I've got a reputation. I do love a bit of YouTube. And... Uh, I just Googled, I just typed in, how do you fix a hole in a door? And it walked me through the steps. And my father-in-law came around who was going to be the ultimate test of, you know, whether anything had happened to this door because he's got a very fine eye for those kind of details. He came in, he had a look, it was it was perfect. You couldn't see it. So maybe, I think I've got the ability, I just don't have the interest is is what it is. It was pretty impressive, actually. There's a few, there's a few places, a few little uh, scuffs on the wall around here, I'm going to have to get my, um, you know, get my handyman skills into soon. But I've just been lazy. There's been no hurry. There's been no necessity for me to actually go out and do it. So I've sort of just let it slip. But um, if the time comes, well, that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll get it going. The other time was we lived in a place in a suburb called Hampton Park. And the bloke who lived there before us was Indian, which is, it seems like an irrelevant detail until I tell you the story about the Indian. He, a lovely guy, a very hairy, very, very hairy man. And I knew this, not because I'd met him face to face, I'd seen his picture at the bottom of his email, I could tell it was Indian or Sri Lankan, very hard to tell the difference with those two. It's like a Scottish person and an Australian, until you hear them talk, in fairness, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you the difference between Sri Lankan and Indian, even if I heard them talk. Because I've got a Sri Lankan auntie, but she sounds, she's, she's as Aussie as anyone, but she cooks a Sri Lankan meal like nobody else. It's quite, it's quite impressive. It's her 50th birthday this weekend, actually. We're going down to her place on Saturday. So I know, I know technically you're not supposed to cook for your own 50th, but I'm, I'm sort of praying she does. I would, I'd like her and her family to supply the meals because anything that she brings to the table, it's far more enjoyable than anything that I'm going to bring. I'm going to rock up with a packet of barbecue shapes because I forgot that it's rude to rock up with nothing. And, uh, you know, the Woolworths around a corner. will. So, so I'll just sneak in with those under my arms, just sneak them on the table, maybe pour them into a bowl so no one knew that was my contribution. But this place that we had in Hampton Park, I, I went upstairs one day and I was trying to brush my teeth, but the the water wouldn't go down the plug hole. It was one of those ones. So I'd gone through the process. I went down to Woolworths. <clears throat> I got the uh, the drain evaporator, whatever's in the drain, 
this cream stuff, you pour it down the sink. Somehow the pipe can withstand it, but everything else in the drain just gets evaporated, apparently. And so I poured that down. Even that, even that couldn't get through what was it, whatever was in there. And and so I had to. It was one of those like little screw top kind of plugs. You could push it down, and it made it a it made it like a little bath, a little mini bath in the sink, a plug. And then if you unscrewed it, you could access whatever was in there. So I thought, well, I'm just going to have to access whatever's in there because you know this this evaporator stuff hasn't worked and so i put my finger down there and and by the time my finger got about an inch into the hole i realized there was a lot of hair but i'd, I'd committed to that first part of it so you know when you're that far in you go well I'm, I'm already here the dry reaching was real it's just something about touching other people's hair you know and it's got that gunkiness i'm sorry if you're eating i'm sorry even if you're not eating i feel sick saying this but it had like had the wetness of toothpaste little bit of hair gel it looked like it looked like pubes i think i don't know i haven't seen a lot of indian beards close up i can imagine they would be dark and curly in fairness to the bloke but they looked more like pubes and and so as i was making this realization as i was taking good on him for taking care of himself though is what i say married man just you gotta you gotta look after yourself for uh for your little lady your little indian lady maybe she was you don't know these days people you know intercontinental marriage is a real thing these days so it could have been an australian woman that he was married to i'm guessing i'm guessing it wasn't i think i reckon sri lankans oh my my sri lankan auntie siobhan doesn't sound like a sri lankan name she's married to to my uncle mark aussie but she's thrown out the stereotype for me because i thought that that sri lankans generally just married other sri lankans and and same with indians and stuff but hey 2022 you shouldn't make those assumptions maybe he was married to an australian man could have been the thing. But but I feel like that's justification that story not to you know not to not to fix it. Our, our right now our our plugs downstairs like our taps are making this weird squeaking noise because uh, I think the washers need replacing. And my wife said to me yesterday she goes, "Babe, do you reckon you could just stop off at Bunnings and and grab some washers for the taps?" I said, "I could. I could do that." But I also have a phone number to a plumber who would do it and it means I can do what I want. And she goes, "Yeah, but It'd just be good if you could just get it done. I go, you know, it'd be great, baby, if me and you could go have a coffee while the plumber's fixing it. How about how about we do that? She goes, you don't want to do it. I said, well, I don't. Honestly, I was trying to, I was trying to sell you a story of of what could be. Anyway, I won that argument. We emailed the real estate last night and said, hey, look, here's the thing. Uh, the the taps are squeaking. Uh, Tice doesn't want to go to Bunnings. You reckon you reckon maybe someone here could fix it up? So, sure, he'll be here in the next couple of days. We had a we had a bloke come and fix our chimney the other day. Actually, came and weird job, a chimney sweep. It's something I feel like you read from a book back in you know the 19th century. Some bloke came around to clean your chimney, but uh, great bloke as well. I said to him, I go, mate, is this a competitive industry? He's like, you ever met someone who works as a chimney sweep before? I said, very, very good answer. <laughs> he goes, he goes, look, I've, my dad did it. I've done it. There's no one that has that commitment to sweeping chimneys. And so it's not an overly competitive industry. I had him around because I couldn't light the fire. I couldn't figure out why I couldn't light the fire. And um, he brought out like his chimney vacuum and he, he did the vacuuming stuff. I said, mate, it must have been blocked up there. Hey, guys, mate, there was nothing. Honestly, there was nothing in there. It was, it was fine. I think your, your fire was just a bit shit. <laughs> he said one of the problems could have been, we have, they call it a, a China, a Chinaman's hat. 
He apologized when he told me what it was called because he's like, mate, it's 2022. Some people get funny about it. I said, look, anything with the name Chinaman and hat in it, I'm, I'm not offended by in, in any means. So he said, look, the, the name of the top of this chimney in chimney sweep speak is, is the Chinaman's hat. And he goes, what's actually happened? What I think is you've tried to light the fire on a windy night and the wind sort of got stuck at the base of that. And rather than allowing the smoke to come out of the top of that Chinaman's hat, it's sort of, it's created a seal and just pushed that smoke back down, which is why I reckon your fire's gone out. So I said, so you don't, you don't reckon that I'm just, uh, I'm just shit at lighting fires? He's like, well, it could be that, um, which I was, I was, I was kind of hoping he wouldn't say. It could be that, but there's a very good chance it, it wasn't. So I lit, a, I lit another fire that night. He gave me a really good hand, or a really good guide on how to how to get a fire started well. He said, you've got to start with, so you do paper, and then uh, kindling the size of a finger, and then once that's going, once that's going, you get two fingers, three fingers, four fingers. Um, what's going through my mind right now is that one finger, two finger, like, it's a general guide for for dating women in certain suburbs, but I'm not going to go there because it's too rude. But I just want you to know, I just want you to have an insight into where my brain went in that moment and how I restrained myself from saying it because it's it's gross, is what it is. So I tried to light a fire the other day. I got I get too excited with the, with the kindling. I make the jump from the one finger to the four fingers. Do you know what I mean? Like going from Paran to Frankston. If you're, if, you're a, if you're a Victorian local, otherwise, um, I don't know enough places around the world to to be able to give you a guide on what I just said, but Google those places and it might make more sense. But gone from the old Paran to Frankston fire started, you can't you can't get it burning because there's a, it's too much of a jump, really. You can't you can't go from a piece of kindling to a whole log. Which even a bushfire, like a bushfire doesn't start on one tree, does it? It starts in the grass and then just gradually works its way up. Hmm. Yeah, so that was good. He asked me to send him a photo of the fire that, that I lit and I, I sent it. And Jessie Jesse was embarrassed at the photo I sent. She goes, babe, this guy's a chimney sweep. He looks at photos of fires every day. She goes, you could have put in a little bit of work and sent him a really good one to be proud of, you know, uh, what he had done with his day. And, and, and yet you've... I sent him a, a fire when it was clearly just the paper that was alight. I just wanted him to know that we are grateful we were using the fireplace. I think he wanted to see something simmering, something that looked a bit more, a little bit more hardy, a little bit more uh, established. And, and I get that as well. Yes. So I've been, um, man, yesterday, it was beautiful over here yesterday. I went over for, a, for an ocean swim. I sat down to record this yesterday. I'm upstairs at the moment. My little boy's room's directly below me. And I, I usually try and do this when he's out of the house or when he's sound asleep. And yesterday I went for the sound asleep option. But, but daytime sleeps for little Charlie boy yesterday were out of the question. So I got six minutes in. And I said, you know what? The pop culture fans are going to have to wait another day. <clears throat> and the uproar was intense. But, but we battled through together and here we are. I've recently, I don't know if you can tell from, from just look, I don't think you could. I've moved upstairs. I've, I've done a little renovation because my, the, the little studio that I was at last time is now Charlie Boy's room. And where I'm at now is, uh, this, is the, this is the studio. This is, this is where the magic happens. We've got the natural light coming in over here. It's just, it's quite beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm going to get a couple of, um, see these pot plants here? I got those at Bunnings yesterday as well. They're still, they're still not in a, a really nice pot. But together we'll grow, together we'll adjust, and together we'll adapt. And, and next week you might even see those in a really nice pot. I um, 
Yeah, so instead I went across to I went across for an ocean swim yesterday. Man, it's so it's so funny. I've told you guys before how I know I'm not a local because whenever there's I'm a local now, but I'm I'm a local in the sense that I've been here for a couple of years. So it's in a town like this, I think a local is someone who's been born and raised here. But I went over there yesterday and uh, there were some dolphins swimming around. There was a guy in his boat about 40 metres offshore ha- having a little fish. I swam out about halfway to him. I don't, under- I, I, honestly, I feel like he's made too much work for himself there because he could have just got like a surf rod and thrown it in from the, from the sand. There was a bloke doing that and it was almost hitting his boat when he cast. He caught, caught a couple of little whiting. It's good. I love it when you get a small taste of summer before it comes around. Because right now, what are we? It's September the September the eighth today. We've just gone into we're seven days into swooping season. So I hope you're all doing well in Australia. Um, you know, if you're in another country, I had a lady message me on on social media the other day. Listen to that clip of the podcast, and she goes, "Oh, we don't we don't get swooping in Tasmania." I was like, "You don't get anything in Tasmania, love." <laughs> the comment sections are ferocious. Comment. One bloke wrote because I was I was telling a story about um, about being swooped by a magpie, and some bloke just wrote he can smell your weakness. And I was like, well, that's not a thing. <laughs> I don't think it might be awkward if it was. Like if I could communicate with a magpie, uh, and he told me that he, he could sense my weakness, I would try and work on that. But I thought, isn't that funny? That's not that's not a gauge as to like a magpie doesn't look at a person who's a little bit weaker and go, all right, we'll get this pussy, does he? I'm pretty sure they swoop based on the fear of. Uh, you attacking their kids. I'm not sure. I don't want to commit too much time to the topic of magpies because we, we went into it in a little bit of depth last week. And I, I think there's only so much you can talk about this black and white Australian bird, uh, you know, before the before the conversation becomes less interesting. I will tell you, however, that we've got a magpie that comes up to our back porch and, and eats our oats each morning. Um, so he'll come up there and he'll, he'll tap on the window just to let us know he's there, which I, I sort of respect. He's like, hey, mate, it's 9.40. It's time for, uh, it's time for my feed. And the, the word is that if you, you know, if you look after a magpie, they've got a great memory. They won't swoop. And so, so far, I don't think this is the guy doing the swooping unless he's flying, you know, a significant distance from our house. They all look the same as well, so you can't recognise them. I haven't quite had the courage. We're, we're still trying to suss each other out. Like, we're trying to figure out what the, what the trust in our relationship is because he comes up to me and I've, I've been holding the oats in my hand just to see he'll, if he'll eat out of those, out of that. And uh, he's yet to do it. And I, I get too nervous. I used to live in a house that we had a magpie come to the back door and he would eat out of your hand as well. But I didn't find that out until a mate came to my house and I said, dude, uh, this magpie eats out of your hand. And he's like, beautiful. Yeah, give me some oats. So I gave him some oats. And then he put his hand down and I was like, this is going to be so interesting. Like if this bites this guy's finger off, I'm never. He was my, he was my test dummy. And so uh, he passed the test. He passed the test with flying colours. And since then... I was aware of the fact that they did that. I, did you know, apparently magpies are really good speakers as well. Like you can train them up to, to be a good speaker. My old running coach, Joe Carmody, he was, he was in my dream last night, actually. I had a dream I was walking into the old Olympic Park here in Melbourne and Joe Carmody was leaving as I was going in. I was like, Joe, you don't look a day older than what you did 20 years ago when you died. It's a weird dreams are funny like that. Like, yeah, when I saw him, I was shocked. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And I woke up and you, you have that sense that you're like, ah, oh, man, like, you ever have those dreams where you're like you're dating someone or you you've achieved something and then you have to wake up and you're like ah, as a, dating's a bad example because it makes it sound like I'm not living the dream with my lady. I am, but I remember back when I was single, um, there's a lot of days where I'd wake up and I was I was dream I was dating the uh, the absolute babe at school. 
then I'd get to school and she was still dating Tim Whelan. I go, hang on a second, why does Tim Whelan get them all? What's so good about him? Then I'd look at him, I go, oh, that's right. He's gorgeous. <laughs> look at him, he's got a full beard, he's in year 12. Who wouldn't want that? I hadn't even hit puberty till third year uni. And still it's, you know, still it's not super convincing. It's funny, it's funny the dating world, isn't it? Like, it's funny looking back at... Like, if I had seen a photo of my wife when I was 18 and someone told me I was going to marry her, I would have been like, this is... Man, my personality must turn out to be good. What a <laughs> what a win. My brother-in-law was teasing me about this a little while ago because when we were in the States, I was teasing Jesse about her wife's taste in men before me. I was like, you had the weirdest taste. Look at these guys. None of them are handsome. None of them are good looking. You had ridiculous taste in men. My brother-in-law piped in and goes, mate, nothing's changed. You're just the next one on the chain. I was like, hang on a second. Surely I've, I've broken that, haven't I? He goes, mate, you fit in beautifully. You are, you're, not even, you're not even the best looking of those four men. So that's a bit harsh, but I appreciate your honesty. I don't know whether to believe it or not. I think I have to because he's a, he's a quite upfront, fairly honest guy. That's confronting, isn't it? Like it, it's weird when you look back at the history of... I love, I love looking at the history of who my wife used to date because she had a couple... Um, one in particular, I won't, but he's, you know, he's a bit chubby now, he's, he's bald. Time's a, time's a nasty thing if you don't look after yourself. Sometimes even if you do look after yourself, the old, uh, like the hair just falls out. I, I don't have a problem with baldness, to be honest. I reckon Kelly Slater's a great looking man. He's, and he's completely bald. He has to shave his head with a razor blade, otherwise he gets those little spiky hairs. Yeah, it's not, yeah, baldness isn't a factor. It's more, I think more man boobs is probably the problem. Like if you're dealing with man boobs, I think that's probably a sign that, uh, you know, that things need to change. I was at comedy the other day and I tapped a guy on the chest to say hello. He's like, hey, careful. I was like, oh, hang on a second, what's going on here? He's like, sorry, mate, I'm just a bit self-conscious. I'm a bit out of shape. I said, I thought I felt something a bit mushy. He's like, dude, I'm already self-conscious about it. Do you mind so not teasing me about it, I was like, my bad, but I did, you little, you little tittered monster, is <laughs> what I wanted to say, I didn't, I just apologised and walked off, what an awkward confrontation that was. Comedy scene in, well, uh, at the level that I'm doing it at the moment, the, the comedy scene is a, it's a very strange scene, yeah, it's such a mixed bag of people, there's, there's people there that you would, you just never, you'd never usually hang with, which is fine, I kind of like it. You have legitimate drug addicts and alcoholics and fitness freaks and you have the anxious and you have the those who aren't anxious. I was telling my mates the other day that uh, growing up, I grew up in the country and it's funny, uh, like a bloke's reputation in the country is quite different. The things that you're allowed to deal with as a as a country man uh, are a little bit different to, to what in 2022 you can deal with as a, uh, you know, as a city dweller, you can be a little bit more open. I remember the first time I told my dad, I said, dad, I'm struggling with anxiety a little bit. He goes, mate, I always knew you were gay. I said, no. Not the same thing, Dad. <laughs> They're different. They're different. You know, I've got a gay mate who, well, he's anxious as well, in fairness, but it's a coincidence that he's, that he's anxious. It's, it's not a direct correlation to his sexual preference, I don't think, but who the studies haven't been done, so I'm not 100% sure. But uh, yeah, the open mic comedy scene's funny because there's just different rules on, on what's accepted and what you can say at different rooms. And uh, there's a bloke, yeah, I, I'm not even going to say it because I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered with the backlash. I can't be bothered with the, 
If you're interested in that story, just shoot me a little message. I'll tell you what the story was, but this can't be. It's not even a very good story, to be fair, which is the reason I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing a little self-edit right now. But I got there the other day at, at 5.30 for a 7.30 start. And then at 7.30, I, I, my name was second on the list. And I was 18th up on stage. And I, I was quite disappointed because it was just a reminder to me that you just got to get booked gigs. I can see the appeal of getting out of the open mic comedy scene because once you start getting booked gigs... That's where you you know you rock up. You know you're guaranteed a spot. No one can tell. No one can say, "All right, mate, you were second on the list. Now you're 18th. They put it in a random list generator, which was the frustrating part. But the the worst part for me, and this is just open mic comedy at its best, was after the 15th act. It was a full room. There would have been like it was quite small, but there was probably it's probably 25 people in the room, which for like an open mic world is is pretty solid. There was 25 people in the room. I'm not kidding. After the 15th act, every single person got up as, as one and left. And there was, there was nobody left. And I thought, well, hang on. I've driven two hours to be here. I've been here now for four hours. <laughs> Is the show finished? But then the great man, Sal Cicero, the, the room runner, he was on fire the other night as well. He was he was on a mission. I was I was impressed with old Sal. He's a he's a good he's a good comedian. He's a funny guy. Got a beautiful little gorgeous mustache and a little curly hair. I love him, little Sal Cicero. But uh, but he he got up and he's like, all right guys, we're gonna take a five minute break. I said, dude, I think are we done? Am I going home? Is the show stopped? He's like, no nah, no. Nah. He's like, I've sent someone downstairs with flies. It's at the Clyde Hotel in Melbourne, and. Uh, and so he went down, or he sent a mate downstairs with flies. I'm not kidding. 15 minutes later, the place was absolutely pumping. So look, just for context, there's no open mic comedy place in the world that can refill a room twice. <laughs> and I got up and it was, I just had a, it's weird. Some days, some days in the comedy world, you're very in your head. Like you know your jokes and you know what to say and when to say them, but you're almost, you're going through it mechanically. And uh, actually, to bring Kelly Slater up again, he talked about this when he goes surfing. Sometimes he goes out there and he's like, "I'm just stuck in my head. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not sort of with the wave. I'm not, I'm not just in the moment and just doing what I know I can do. I'm, I'm thinking too much about what I'm doing." And I had one of those sets the other night where I started thinking too much about what I'm doing. And when you start thinking about what you're doing in the comedy scene, it's terrifying because like you're in front of a room full of people trying to make them laugh. And when you're thinking about the fact you're trying to make them laugh, and there's a very good chance that your jokes are shit. Well, you know, it makes it, it makes it a little bit more more confronting. I was going to try this new joke where I was uh, I was talking about COVID statistics, but it was a young audience and they were very uh, like I got nervous because the first couple of jokes I said they just didn't laugh at, and I was like, well, they were they were the best I had. <laughs> if you don't like those, I'm not trying this new one. But I wanted to talk about how I'm offended by the fact that no one takes COVID seriously anymore. Everyone just thinks it's a joke and. You know, everyone thinks it was overrated and over, sort of over magnified in terms of its severity. And I said, I used to be like that. And then, then my auntie died of COVID. Sort of changed my whole approach. It changed my whole thought. I realized how dangerous it is. I said, yeah, granted, like if you're buried, if you dug down a little bit further into the story, you realize it was a car accident that killed her, but she had a sore throat at the time, which I think is, which is, you know, it's justification. She hadn't had her booster shot. And so what really killed her is the question. You can see it's still a little bit rusty, but there's there's something there, isn't it? That's going to piss off a Melbourne crowd, especially a Melbourne University crowd. Get st- I should have said it. That's the thing in comedy. Some people, 
<clears throat> and I have this sometimes. Some people, they'll get up on stage, and if people don't laugh, they'll, they'll just start going harder. Like, they'll, they'll just start throwing down even harder than what they originally did. And then there's other people who, who tense up a little bit and go a little more polite. And I, I tend to go more on the polite side. But there's a lot of things that you say up on stage with a microphone in your hand that I don't think... Um, you know, I don't, I don't think you'd get away with if you're just in a general conversation. In fact, I'm quite sure you wouldn't get away with it because there's, there's some people you'll get up and you're just trying to be funny on your feet. So t- sometimes whatever you say, it comes out offensive. Sometimes it comes out funny, but you just got a riff. That's why, you know, some people, they'll hear an MC make a joke about them on stage and then they'll go home really upset about the fact the MC's making jokes about them. But you can't because, I mean, I say, I say things sometimes. I started teasing a ranger a couple of weeks ago about his pale skin. He got up and he's like, like, you can talk, you dickhead. He's like, you're pa-. and I was like, oh, fire out! I've upset this. I've upset this bloke, <laughs> Huey Robbo. You know I love you. That's his name, Huey Robbo. Best looking ginger man in the world. Terrific posture, terrific posture. We got there the other day and we were having a chat. I was asking him about his gym, gym routine because, like, if anyone, if you ever see this guy walk, you, you just know that he's working on it. He he walks with the strut of a god. He's uh, I respect it. Very confident dude the way he presents himself. And so I like it. The dynamics of people on stage is, is very good, very funny. And man, you get you get a mixed bag at the open mic board. I'm a mixed bag. I'm going to do a couple of gigs tonight, or hopefully a couple. I've got one up in Eltham, which is a two and a half hour drive for a gig, which is, you know, it's it's never worth going to. <laughs> but it's another opportunity just to work out some new stuff. And the truth is as well, you also, you get about 15 minutes on stage, which is always nice, or mostly nice. Some nights it's horrific if you're bombing. Some nights you're like, I wish this was just a five-minute spot. Five minutes is plenty enough in this situation. I think sometimes as well is, like, you can you can overhype how bad a bomb is and you can also overhype how well you did on stage. There's a real, I think I've told you guys about this before, there's a real reputation in the comedy world for people to get down. And they've clearly just bombed. And they go, man, what do you think? And I was like, oh, don't make me answer that. Like, we all just witnessed what we witnessed. It was... It was what it was. He's like, pretty good, huh? I was like, oh, dude, how can I tell you now that it was shit? <laughs> I don't want to be the guy to tell you. Despite the fact I know you would tell me. Huey Robbo, the guy I just told you about then, I remember a couple of months, or like a year ago now, after COVID, I got, got off stage and I knew I didn't have my best set. And I sat down and he goes, dude, you're rusty. I was like, well, I haven't done it for a year, mate. Be a bit nicer. It's important to have that kind of feedback in your life, isn't it? You want someone that you can sit down next to and they go, hey, you know what? You're rubbish. You're rubbish. It's good for growth, I think. It's good for development a little bit. It's good to, you know, it's just something you need to just improve what it is that you're doing is is what I think is the truth. But, I mean, it still, it still hurts at the time. That's why I like people with Asperger's a little bit, because they'll just tell you honestly, uh, you know, where, where it is that you are, or how they perceive it, at the very least. They might not always be accurate with their interpretation of the event, but their willingness to tell you about whatever you're doing that's wrong is, is something, to, <laughs> something to admire. Because I think our culture often, like we'll just, I'll often smile and go, you know what, it wasn't as bad as you think. And, and I think an effective thing would be, Rather than doing that to go, it was maybe a bit worse than what you ever thought it was. That was horrific. But I admire you. I admire your effort for trying. I remember getting dressed up one day because my brother-in-law, Chrissy, legend of a bloke, uh, he's got he's got Asperger's, I think. 
I'm pretty like I'm pretty sure. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I've just made that up. And we uh, we went to his house one night. We were going out to a party, so I was a bit dressed up. And I went down. I had like a leather jacket on, a nice shirt. I sat down on his couch, and uh, he was looking at me. And he goes, "Dude," I go, "Yeah." He goes, "What are you trying to prove?" So what am I? What do you mean? What am I trying to prove? What are you? What are you talking about? He's like, "What?" I remember back in the day, you'd just wear casual clothes. I said, "Mate, that that was yesterday." That was yesterday you were referring. I still wear casual clothes. I just can't wear those tracksuit pants to a party. He's like, well, man, you just got to do what you feel comfortable with. Stop being, you know, so so messed around by what other people expect you to do. And I was like, well, little can, little counterculture kid over here is, uh, he's just snapped me back into line. I remember when I was a school teacher as well. There's another kid I used to teach, and uh, I told him we were going to assembly. He thought we were going to, he thought we were going to put things together, which is a you know, it's another definition from the word assembly, but the way they mean it at school isn't like an assembly line. They mean, hey, we're going to go, um, we're going just going to do a welcome to country. <laughs> One of the guys the other night, he goes, hey, before we start the gig, I just think it's important to recognise the original owner of this land, Queen Elizabeth. Thanks for everything that you've done. I thought, oh, that's good. You can't you can't be doing that in Brunswick, but this guy didn't care about the rules. He, he just did what he wanted to do. He also teased the Chinese people in the front row for being Chinese. He teased a Sudanese guy at the back, not for, not for. I was going to say for being black. It wasn't for being black. He just, uh, old Shane. Shane's the king. He's giving Shane a hard time. Yeah, it's it's so fun watching people's responses in the audience as well because some people you can tell some people want to laugh, and some people are like, "Are we allowed to do this anymore? It's not 1994, <laughs> you know, or WA." You know, you can still do this in WA, no dramas, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's just, it's so funny. There's just so many different, there's so many different varieties of uh, of people out there. And I guess just depending on the way your old brain's wide is uh, is going to dictate how you take it. But hey, speaking of, um, speaking of the way your brain's wide, I've been listening to this guy, Andrew Huberman. Uh, Huberman? Huberman? He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast a couple of times. I think he's a... He's a neuroscientist, like a really, a really interesting guy to to listen to. Yeah, his podcast Huberman Labs is is unreal. He did a he did a podcast the other day with a guy uh, that YouTuber. He's got the YouTube channel called Athlean X, and this guy, I mean, looks fantastic. Every video, this is Athlean X, not Huberman. Never seen Huberman with his shirt off, but Athlean X. Every video he does, he's he's got his shirt off and he's just ripped. He's got the lighting beautifully. He's got the the tricep. You can tell he hits his protein intake. No dramas. Like there's no part of you that looks at this bloke and he's like, ah, oh, he missed chest day. You can you just know he's done chest day. He does chest days most days. He's he's that kind of guy. But but he's good. He's really interesting guy. Like I'm I'm really into the um like the world of exercise and health and nutrition and he has a whole heap of people on his podcast like that, which is so I was listening to this Athlete X one the other day and uh Man, it's amazing how like every field, every field you go into, it's got so many different levels that you can take it to. There's this guy was talking about exercises that I do regularly at the gym and talking about how bad they are. And like I finished that podcast and I was like, ah, oh, okay, so I have to change every single every single routine that I ever do. The main thing I reckon I have to change is I, I probably do more cardio than than strength work. And I reckon as you get older you wanna you wanna start doing a bit more strength work. Like have you noticed uh if you're in the health and, and fitness scene, you'll probably you probably would have noticed this, but there's a real focus on resistance training at the moment for bone density and, and strength like that. So I keep thinking about my brother in law when we we're in the States, he was like, dude, how do you be so consistent with the gym? For me, I just feel like it's a big investment. I love the idea of going to the gym and going, Well I don't want to be a I don't want to be this old dude who's just weak and scrawny and you know, eventually I guess that happens. 
But that's what uh, that's what Huben was talking about on this podcast. He was saying not enough people plan for what they want their life to look like in their last decade. And he's like, it's a bit of a morbid thought, but but he he goes, uh, what was it? He goes, if you're if you were told just to train for an event, you've got a year to train for an event, and that's all the information that you were given. You'd go, well, do I need to be cardio fit or do I need to be really strong? They're like, just train. Whereas if that's okay, you're training for an Ironman, you're like, all right, I've got to swim, bike, and run and do it in long distances until that's relatively comfortable to do it. Is that what enough, enough people don't do is they don't paint a picture of what they would like their life to, uh, what they want their life to look like in their last decade. And as a result, they don't know how to prepare for that. So I thought it was good. He's like, okay, well, just let's just use the decade from 90 to 100. Say you want to live 90 to 100 or whatever, and your goal at that time is to be able to go for a walk, play with your grandkids. If you're on the floor, get up by yourself, then all right, you're going to have to do like a little bit of cardio. You're going to have to do some strength. You look after your nutrition. And I thought it's just a, it's just a fresh way to look at that. And I thought, okay, that's a little takeaway. So I think one of the tests, I don't know why this is a measurement of, of strength or why this is a measurement of good health, but apparently grip strength is, is a huge thing. I don't completely understand what it is. I need to look into it a little bit more, but grip strength is something that they were talking about. And uh, as they were talking about it, he was uh, this athlete ex guy, I don't know his name, he was saying that you should be able to carry for two minutes your own body weight. So have a dumbbell in each hand. So I'm about 77 kilos, 78 kilos. So I got like a 240 kilo dumbbells. Man, that is, go try it. Like granted, I'd been I'd been doing a, a couple of pull-ups and I've been doing a couple of exercises. So I think maybe my hands were a little bit tired, but I picked up these 240 kilo weights. I was like, I'm not sure I can do that. So this is like my little project at the moment. And the other one was just hanging like this for two minutes, just up on a bar. So have a bar up here and just hang up there. And that's like another. That's another really good one for your for your grip test and for your strength. Obviously, it's bloody hard though. It's bloody hard. It's uh, it's amazing how strong people are. It's amazing. It's it's interesting. Just like in the comedy world, it's interesting looking at different people's confidence in the gym. You can see some people who are a little bit newer and they're not a hundred percent sure what to do. They they sort of just walk around a little timidly. I'm like that sometimes, especially when some massive unit walks in. But I guess it doesn't matter what scene you're in. There's a there's different level of confidence that you that you're gonna feel. I remember once the confidence of the blokes at the nude beach in Spain was was off the charts. And I get it rightfully so because they were they were they were packing a little bit of you know a little bit of something. There was more there than they they had my portion of you know they had more than they needed in terms of how well how well endowed they were. I remember we just we was, Jesse and I were were. Like there was a little rock wall, and we were sitting at this rock wall before we realised it was a nude beach. And all of a sudden, these just glorious-looking men started coming down, taking off their clothes. And after about fifteen minutes, I said to Jesse, because they just they got up like birds, and they were just walking around in circles, just doing like these little struts, and just things were just just going like this, just swaying all over the shop. Mine doesn't even sway; mine just sort of flicks around. So I had an appreciation for that. I was thinking, there's no way I could do that with the confidence that these guys have. So I guess I guess some of the confidence comes from what it is that you're carrying around. Like if you're a muscly guy in the gym, maybe you know maybe you, you walk around with a bit more confidence. But in those situations, I often go, "Well, mate, I'll smash you over 10k, easy. I'll smash you over 10k," which is just a way for me to justify being in the gym with these guys because I I just start having these little arguments with them. Like I I think of them out bench pressing me, and I go, "Okay, dickhead, let's do a 10k race. Ready, set, go." You know, unless I severely rolled my ankle, I reckon I got him covered. But uh, yeah, after 15 minutes at this beach, I said to Jesse, I was like, babe, what do you reckon we get going now? She's like, how about we just stay a bit longer? I said, hey, I met you at a church. You're a Christian woman. Can't be sitting here looking at these Spanish gods just <laughs> doing their thing. 
God's glorious creation. Don't try and use that excuse on me. Yeah, sure. Sure, that's the way you could justify it. Just because, in fairness, like, you, you, you can't blame her. Like, I'll sometimes get out of an ice bath and, you know, try and dry off and walk out to the kitchen and, and like, things have shrunk and it's just, it's not how it's supposed to look. And so she sees one like that and she's like, I didn't know they were designed like that. That was, that one's a really interesting design. He's <laughs> like, sweetie, like, don't look at this like you're an architect. You know, yeah. there's some things that you, you're allowed to appreciate in front of your husband and some things that, like, you can appreciate it in front of me, but just maybe keep it in your head if you could. <laughs> Can't be too hard on her, though. She's, um, this is a little while ago. That same trip, we were riding along, uh, we were just video cameraing this whole trip. We were in Barcelona and we were, we were riding along, like, a boulevard and there were all these palm trees and she was behind me and I was, like, grabbing a palm tree branch and just doing, like, a little cute flick. Like, I would hold it as I was riding past get a little bit of momentum and then I'd let it go and it just sort of flick past her a little bit like that. And she's like, oh babe, that was close. And then I did that about five times in the last one. I, I got a bit too excited and the video finishes with me like grabbing this palm tree and just, it goes, and then just goes, and like <laughs> the video just ends with her going, ah! She's got whipped in the eyeball, poor thing. She's down on her hands and knees crying. She thought she was blind. It's funny in hindsight, but... <laughs> You're not allowed to laugh at things like that now. It's like I'm nervous. I'm nervous because uh, I got I got to say this with caution because he's downstairs. But she's having a baby in in a month, and I'm nervous. I'm going to start pissing myself laughing as she's giving birth because I get whenever I get scared and nervous, I piss myself laughing. And I was talking to a mate about this a little while ago, and he's like, because his wife had a, a natural birth, and uh, um, he said, oh yeah, he was in the uh, he was in the what's the room called where you have the baby like the baby room. And she was giving birth, and he goes, it was like the exorcist. He goes, I've just never seen it before. And he goes, I was so shocked by how intense it was. I started, like, I started wanting to laugh so bad. And, and so now he said that. I've got a reputation for laughing at things that you shouldn't laugh at anyway. I remember yeah, there was a funny episode of Pack to the Rafters years ago, like the Australian drama where one of the chicks, she was in labour and her husband had just had a vasectomy and she was giving birth and he was sitting up next to her with his with his legs up in the air because he was in so much pain from his vasectomy. And I just, like, every time I think of things that you shouldn't do, I think of that clip and I'm like, oh, please don't let that be me. Like, I just can't, that can't be me. I, I, there's just too much trouble that comes from that. I, I can't be bothered going through it. But anyway, I'll keep you posted on how that goes. So we are a little, I think we're having a little man. I always get nervous to say it with confidence because because I'm always like, well, what if that scan wasn't quite accurate? Like we've got a boy name picked out and everything, but what if what if it comes out he's a little girl? Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll confirm that. I'll confirm that in just over a month's time. So it's a little bit of fun. But as a result, she's nesting. I can't be I can't be too hard on her. We had a little bit of a argument yesterday because she told me I was messy in the kitchen and I'm for for a bloke who's very interested in learning to maintain his emotions, I'm a very emotional, <laughs> very emotional guy. You got to get me at the perfectly right time for me to be nice. And yesterday was the wrong time. I'm not. I'm not sure why I got so grumpy about it. But there's about 24 hours of tension. I just went. I went down and gave a little cuddle before because usually, apparently, uh, apparently, I got a reputation for not breaking the awkward tensions in our relationship. Whenever there is one, it's it's her who who comes and says the sorry. So. So today I tried to lift my game a little bit. It's so hard to do though, don't you reckon? Like when you've had an argument with anyone, it's so hard to be the one who goes back and is like, hey, I'm sorry. 
Especially because I'm the kind of bloke that when I get an apology, I'm like, yeah, so you should be, bitch. <laughs> no, I've never done that. But I was trying to impress you guys. I got into, I panicked and lied. Lied straight to your face. Oh, man. That's such a better feeling, though, once you... Because I went and gave her a hug before. She's like, oh, thank God. What a relief. And I was like, well, just... I think if you came up with, like, a nice little smile, maybe a coffee, I'd, uh, you know, I'd forgive you real quick, I'm pretty sure. I'm not, I'm not keeping account of your wrongs. Keep it again. I was looking at the Herald Sun yesterday, or, or the Age. I felt bad for for the great man Wayne Carey, six time All Australian AFL. A lot of Australian references here. That I am an Australian though, so I mean you're just going to have to work with that. I'll give you a, a bit of an insight. This guy was an Australian rules footballer back in the '90s, and I mean he's got a he's got a bit of a reputation for for being a little bit of a rebel, for for causing a ruckus, for like like a typical footballer. And apparently the other day he was at the. Uh, He's at the Crown Casino in Perth, and some a white powder in a bag fell out of his pocket. And uh, we all know what it was. We're all 100% sure aware of what it was, and, and that's fine. But I, I love the fact he's a TV personality, so he has to come out. And he said, no, that was crushed up anti-inflammatories. I go, well, it's not, though. Because a crushed up anti-inflammatory you just have when you get home. Like, who, <laughs> who needs to go to the casino with crushed up anti-inflammatories in their pocket? Come on, Wayne. <laughs> We know the truth, and and no one, no one's that shocked. What's more shocking is the fact you feel you need to lie about it. Now, here's the thing: like this guy, I mean, he'd been through, he'd been through a couple of hurdles over the last couple of years. And Channel Seven has said, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna stand, we're gonna stand by you, we're gonna stand with you, we're gonna let you through. And then this crushed up. I don't know why he feels the need to lie about it. Is the thing? Maybe he knows his reputation's on the line. But anyway, I'm on his side. Whatever, crushed up, anti-inflammatories or not, I, I stand with, I stand with Wayne. He's a bloody good commentator as well. Like he's got good he, commentary, not necessarily, but just special comments in the background. Like he was a he was an All Australian centre half forward, just a big, strong player, and he'd been in the game for so long, and he's so confident with his knowledge about the game that when he speaks, people just naturally listen. I heard him try and commentate commentate like a a play from one kick to another once, and that was a different experience. But when he when he's just talking about you know what's taken place on the ground, you go. Hey, all right, this guy knows. This guy knows a thing or two. Go get him, Wayne. Poor bugger. But I saw. I was telling you that story because the the paper had had like a history of all his wrongdoings. I'm like, mate, how harsh is this? Like, imagine if every time I caused a little ruckus, it was just recorded and printed. There'd be there'd be so many things. There'd be so not to mention the fact my auntie caught me doing a nudie run at two a.m. one morning in Trelgan with a friend. Like that'd be top of the list. How inappropriate's that? It's very inappropriate. Also very fun. The adrenaline that comes with that is is incredibly high. <laughs> it's incredibly high. Oh man. Did you see uh, that Huey Robertson guy I was telling you about before from comedy the other day? He was showing me video clips of that. What's that Aussie UFC fighter's name? Is it Robbie? Robbie someone maybe? He was showing me about some of his punches because I was saying to him that uh, I, I want to start getting into jiu-jitsu a little bit. I want to, I just want to start learning that. I, I like the idea of that was another thing they were talking about on the Huberman Lab podcast, the importance of having activities that stimulates both the the brain and the body and like that coordination of both movements. So like whether it's a dance or a table tennis or or a jiu-jitsu or something like that. <clears throat> and I thought I, I love things like um, yeah, obviously going to the gym and body weight workouts and stuff. And yeah, you might you might get like a little bit of a taste of that, but also, like, I love table tennis, but I don't really play. So I thought, hey, a fun a fun thing to learn and something I want to teach my boy to do anyways is jiu-jitsu. So I'm thinking maybe in the next six months I'll start doing a couple of classes so when Charlie Boy's four or five, I can take him down and uh, 
you know, not be an embarrassment to the Popplestone family. But I've got such respect for these UFC boys. Like, I can't, I can't believe... Like, that just, that terrifies me. The idea of getting in a ring with anyone knowing that you're going to fight is just... It's too much. The, the last real fight I got into, it was in grade 7, Bambara Primary School. Joseph Sens was looking to fight someone. It was a particular person he wanted to fight. He's like, I'm so angry, I just need to fight. And I was like, hey, I'll fight. I'll fight you. He's like, all right. So we went down, we went down to the... Um, to the oval and a whole heap of people stood around and he just punched me in the head twice and I was like, I think I'm finished actually. I don't this is this is a bad idea. <laughs> I don't know how to fight. And you're my best friend. What are we punching each other for? I think I only ever punched one kid. I punched a kid called Cameron Downey. I don't even know why. I don't even know why I punched him. Probably because he's my main rival in cross country and I was just trying to take him out before the race. I knew the big day was coming up. I just wanted to uh, just wanted to try and show him who's boss. But I'm not a fighter, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to learn it so I can you know, just beat up comics if they take my spot. I just, I like the idea more of that, um, I don't know. It's like an intellectual pursuit as well as a physical pursuit. But apparently cauliflower ears is really prominent in the world of jiu-jitsu. Like if you fold your ears over and, uh, you know, get bumps, you get bumped or whatever... Uh, you just start to get these big clots in you. I don't know how true that is though, because I know I know plenty of people who do a little bit of jujitsu and don't have uh, don't have those those cauliflower ears. I'm not sure. Maybe you're landing wrong or what? I did one judo class once, and, and I sort of liked it, but I uh, I don't know why I didn't for sure. I think it was like 40 minutes from my house. I went to one class. I said, "I'll see how we go." I think the gi, I think the gi was um was pretty cool to be able to walk around. It. I like that feeling of of rocking around in a gi. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I watched a couple of YouTube videos and started going down that rabbit hole. I thought, all right, I think I'm a, uh, I think, I think I'm a judo fighter. But maybe jujitsu is the one. But glad to see, glad to see, um, I was talking to a mate the other day and he was telling me that uh, he started surfing recently and he's, this bloke is from, uh, from Chile, from Chile. And he was telling me that out in the water a little while ago, he goes, he was getting in and a whole heap of people were getting out. And as he was paddling out, there's another guy on a stand-up paddleboard. And he said, mate, what's everyone getting out for? He's like, oh, mate, about 15 minutes ago, we saw a shark fin. And this bloke's like, should I be out here? And the guy on the paddleboard was like, yeah, mate, no, I'll keep a lookout for you. I'll keep a lookout for you, but I don't reckon he'll be hungry at this time of the day. <laughs> that's such a, um, that's the stereotype of the Aussie that I love. The bloke who, despite the fact he's swinging, swimming in a shark's bedroom, uh, and and has no idea whether the shark's hungry or not. He just didn't want the uh, he didn't want the the shark to get in the way of a good time. So he told my mate he'll he'll keep a lookout for him. I thought how, how good is that for a welcome to Australia? I say welcome to Australia. He's been here for seven years, but that guy didn't know that. As far as he knew, he's just a little tourist, just checking out the old ocean down there at Ocean Grove. Anyway, guys, I uh, I hope you're doing well. That's enough from me today. I'm gonna I'm gonna go get myself a little. I think I'm gonna go out for a run with my mate today. Big Jocko, I'm gonna catch up for a run and a coffee. Maybe if we can if we can work that into the routine, and then uh, and then tonight I'll go up to Altham and tell some funny jokes. So I just got sidetracked there. There's a couple of a couple of birds flying past the window, but you didn't need to know that. You didn't need to care, and you, you probably didn't. I'm glad you're here, nonetheless. Thanks for stopping by. This is a Pop Culture Podcast. I'm Tyson Popplestone. I'll see you all again next week. All right, much love. Bye.